0: Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. Kept secret since the world began, but now it's been made manifest by the prophetic scriptures and made known to all nations According to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. To God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. So I want to talk to you tonight on this subject. When the religious receive revelation. When the religious receive revelation. During the worship service tonight. For some reason the Lord dropped this testimony in my heart and I'm going to start the Bible study with this. We have a missionary to Uganda. His name is Phil Tolstead. He's been here at our church and uh, he's the apostle to Uganda. And there has been dozens and dozens, maybe for sure scores and maybe hundreds, I'm not sure, of pastors of other denominations that have received the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. They've received water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ and experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And he told a story. I heard him speak somewhere in Kentucky. We were at the same place. I think it was a camp meeting. And he told this story. He said, in a particular village in Uganda, there is a street where all of the Christian churches are built on this same street. I think he said we called it Church Street. (laughs) And so all of the missionaries that are there, they have built their churches just side by side, down one side and up the other side of the street. He said, "One night, another—not another Christian religion, but another faith—we'll say—came and burnt every church on that street. Burnt every one of them down, except the United Pentecostal Church building. They all burned to the ground, except that one, and." When it was discovered who the perpetrators were, they asked him, why did you not burn this church down? And his response was, well, it was guarded. We couldn't burn it down. It was guarded. They said, really, who was guarding it? They said 200 uniformed soldiers were guarding that church. We could not burn it down. Of course, you and I know there was no guards there but angels. So the question I want to ask is, I'm just telling the testimony. It's not my story. Why was that one building protected? And the others, not. I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. And I'm not saying that we're the only church in town. But I am saying tonight, And I want to just unpack in the next 30 minutes or so that Revelation is breaking in on religious people. (laughs) What is the Asbury revival about? Don't criticize the move of God just because it's not under our roof doesn't mean it's not God. Just because it's not happening in our faith tradition doesn't mean it's not God. The Bible is full of revelation breaking in on the hungry, the thirsty, the open. God is breaking in on people right now and religious groups and pastors all over the world that have refused to draw a circle and build a fence around themselves and say, well, there's no more revelation for me. There's nothing else of God that I need to know. Whatever my bishop says is the way it is, and that's it. And can I tell you that when someone has that attitude or that, that lens, God cannot break in through that, and he will not break in. He only breaks in. Even Saul of Tarsus, as tough as he was, the Lord said, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. In other words, God was reaching for him. And sometimes people fight hard against the very thing that they're under conviction about. So when we read the Bible, the Bible by nature is a book of revelation. It's sort of like an onion. When you peel back one layer, guess what? There's another one right behind it. Except if you eat it like an apple, then you need to go brush your teeth right away. And I I knew and one of my elders, one of my five mentors, ate onions like apples. And I was always glad when he brushed his teeth before we had a Bible study. But he said they were healthy for you. So anyway, I'll never know. Uh, so the Bible, by nature, is a book of Revelation. And how many ever had the experience where, you know, those of you that have had a relationship with the Word of God for years, you've read a scripture your whole life, and then boom, one day, you see something. What is that? That's revelation of the Word. And the way it works is, you see revelation When you are somewhere where you've never been. When you are going through something perhaps you've never gone through. And can I tell you that God. Said in his word Isaiah. That he would reveal. His truth. Line upon line. Line upon line. Precept upon precept. Precept upon precept. Hear a little. And there a little. Because you can't handle the whole enchilada. And so God has a way of revealing himself in bite-sized pieces so that we're not overwhelmed. In fact, the Bible says no man has seen God at any time. And of course, we know that Jesus was the express image of the invisible God. Colossians says that. But Jesus really was the God in a a filter form. Jesus was God's filter, if I could say that. And and if God had not been filtered in the man Jesus, the flesh, the veil of Jesus, anybody that saw him would have perished. That's what the scripture says. And, And so when we read the text, when we read the Bible, We see this unfolding saga of redemption. And someone said if you cut any page of the Bible it would bleed the red blood of Jesus. And so from Genesis to Revelation there's one central theme. It's man and God working their way back to each other. And so we we see this unfolding revelation of God. Genesis 1.1. He's a creator. One, two, he's a spirit. He's moving. So we learn that God creates. We learn that God is a speaking God. Let there be light. God creates. He speaks. He's moving. The Bible said he moved on the face of the waters. It's sort of like incubation, like a mother bird on the nest. She's, she's incubating. She's bringing what she has birthed to maturity and fruition so that it can be born. And God's moving on the face of the water. So we see that he's a creator. He's a speaker. He's 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 an initiator. He's an incubator. He'll be patient. He'll wait. He'll bring things to fruition. And then when it's time, he brings them to birth. And we see this unfolding revelation of God in the scripture. And I want to say that. The Bible's greatest revelation is not really found until Revelation 1.1. Let me say it in the eschaton. As God's unfolding, can I tell you that God's revelation is that he is the mighty God and the man Jesus Christ. That is the greatest revelation of God that anybody will ever know. It doesn't get any better than that. He's not going to be anything else. He's always going to be that. And Revelation 1.1 says the revelation of Jesus Christ. I don't know what the seven seals are about. I don't know what the seven vials are all about. I don't know what the seven trumpets are all about. I don't know what that creepy image with seven horns and ten heads and 25 eyes is all about in the book of Revelation. I know God's just going to sort it all out and figure it all out. And we'll just be standing on the sidelines. We'll be clapping and cheering. But the thing that I want to get is the revelation of Jesus Christ. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the ending. He is Jehovah of the Old Testament manifested in the New Testament. In fact, the name Jesus means Jehovah has become our salvation. Everybody say revelation. Revelation is part of the Christian dynamic. It's a part of our hermeneutic. It's how we come to the text. It's how we interpret what we see through Revelation. It is our spiritual culture. Revelation is. And it is our experience. Every person who is a Christian in this room tonight has had at least One moment of revelation. Something that one moment ago you didn't understand it. And the next moment you do understand it. Sometimes there's instantaneous, spontaneous revelation. Sometimes there's progressive revelation. But every one of us has had revelation. And why would we not? It's the human condition. As God is revealing himself line upon line, the disciples are in a boat in a storm. They're fearful that they're going to die. And Jesus stands up and he says, peace, be still. And what did they say? Well, we saw that coming. Well, we know all about that. No, they said, who is this? What manner of man is this? They've been walking with him. They've been hanging out at campfires at night with them, but they didn't know this part of his power until they were in a storm. And isn't it true that we go through things in life and God reveals himself as a healer when we're sick, as a deliverer when we're trapped, as the Prince of Peace when we're in chaos? And so on. God reveals all the aspects of his nature uh, when we are in need of it, when we're going through some things. Everybody say revelation. Revelation. And so this is a part of the Christian experience. The Bible says in Proverbs 418, the way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines ever brighter. Until the full light of day. So let's agree that as believers we are on a journey and nobody's made it yet. And the last time I checked you're not wearing your crown. Uh, you may have a halo but you don't have a crown. And we're still reaching. We're still reaching for more of Jesus. Uh, Look at Matthew 16, 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? They said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then Jesus makes it personal. Who do you say that I am? And I can see some of the disciples like, and Peter, he stands up and he says, You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not what? Revealed this to you. But my father who is in heaven, 18, and I say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So. Peter spoke up. And put Jesus in a class all by himself. He was a prophet, but he's not in the class of the the prophets of the Bible. He was an apostle, but he's not in the same class. Hebrews chapter 3 calls him the apostle. And he's in a class all by himself. And Peter got this revelation. Now think about this. After... Jesus suffered, bled, died, and rose from the dead. He's on this earth for 40 days. And now there's been a transition. There's, he's, he's, he's still human, but he's got a resurrected body. And he can eat. And if you would have pinched him, he would have said, ouch. But he didn't have any blood in his veins. He left all of that at Calvary. And he's got a resurrected body now. He's not glorified yet. He's not glorified until he ascends into heaven and then sends the Holy Spirit. And notice the people that had difficulty who knew him very well. But they had difficulty recognizing him. They had difficulty identifying him. Uh, For example, Cleopas and the other disciple just Right there around the crucifixion, before the resurrection, they're walking back to Emmaus. And I believe that the other disciple was his wife, it was Cleopas's wife. The Bible doesn't say that, but that's who I think it was. And they're talking, and suddenly the stranger shows up. Now, from Jerusalem to Emmaus, I think it's about, I don't know, six or seven miles. So this is a, day, this is a, this is a day's walk. Or a couple hours anyway. They're walking with Jesus and Jesus says, why are, you, why, are you, why are you so discouraged? Why are you so down? They said, where have you been hiding? You've been under a rock the last three days. You know, Jesus suffered and bled and died and it's crushed us and now there's no hope for us. And, and, and so Jesus starts talking to them right out of the Old Testament about the Messiah. And then they get to Cleopas' house and suddenly... When they break bread, they, they let, gave Jesus the honor of breaking the bread. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him for who he was. They walked with him for a couple hours and they didn't know who he was. But suddenly he's revealed and then he is gone. And what about Mary in the garden? She thinks Jesus is the gardener. And she said, if you'll tell me where you've laid him, I I want to go prepare his body. I want to just serve him. And Jesus says, Mary. And only one man ever called, spoke her name like that man. And she said, Rabboni. And the Lord said, don't touch me. I've not yet ascended. And so there's these post post resurrection appearances where he has slipped into a another dimension, if I could say it that way. And those who went with him to that dimension saw him eventually. And I'm just trying to demonstrate to you how uh, there is the understanding of revelation in the scripture. And then what about his appearance just for Thomas? Thomas said, I will not believe until I put my hand on, touch his hand and see his hand and thrust my hand into his side. And Jesus, I love this, he comes back again just for Thomas. And he said, Thomas, see me, touch me. And what did Thomas say? My Lord and my God. Literally rendered the Lord of me and the God of me. He worships Jesus as God. And we are indebted to Thomas. For doubting because if you would have been there it would have been you or it would have been me. And so we owe him a debt of gratitude for that encounter that he had with Jesus. And so I'm building up to what I feel is going on right now in Christianity and around the world. And that is that God is breaking in. We're, we're, we want to reach the marginalized, the down and out, the broken, the busted, the disgusted. The people that are just so broken. And, and we want to reach them. And we are doing what we can. We have ministries in place where we're trying to serve people of our community. But I'm telling you, that there is a great revival and an incredible harvest among religious people. It's going on right now. It's happening right now. I've been, I can't, every place where I've been in the last, since January, every pastor I've talked to, every missionary that I've talked to, every uh, leader on foreign fields, everybody is baptizing pastors They're baptizing congregations. It's going on right now. And why are we not surprised? It's all through the Bible. It's all through the book of Acts. And you've heard me say before that my favorite book of prophecy in the Bible is the book of Acts because it's where we're living. The book of Acts is a predictor of what God wants to do in the church right now. The book of Acts is prophesying to us that before Jesus comes back, let me quote a few phrases in the book of Acts, that we will fill all of our city with our doctrine. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. It's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it is going to happen because it happened once in the book of Acts. And it's going to happen in every city where there's a church and where there's hunger and where people are open to receiving more truth. I'm telling you that God is breaking in right now. Right now he's breaking in. Amen. The book of Acts is prophesying our future. I want want to just show you some things. So let me ask you a question. Was Saul of Tarsus religious? Was he religious? Yeah, he was religious. He wasn't a heathen. Although he was putting Christians in prison. He was persecuting our spiritual ancestors, but he was religious. He was a Pharisee. He knew the Bible backwards and forwards. In fact, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And when he was on the road to Damascus, and by the way, to all of our friends watching online, I want to say that there's a popular phrase in Christianity. It's called the Roman road to salvation. I don't know who invented that, who created that. There is no Roman road to salvation. If you want to get saved, you got to get on the road to Damascus. Nobody got saved on the road to Rome. Paul was already saved when he wrote to the Romans. And so were they. They were already born again. So if we want to study how to be born again, don't get on the road to Rome. That's the road to how to live for God. That's the road to understand the grace of God and how faith works and all of that. And that's important. And the love of God. Paul said in Romans that, you know, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And he he talked about, you know, the thing that I want to do, I don't do. And the thing I don't want to do, I do it. And he's explaining grace and how it works in our life. He's not teaching anybody how to get saved. If you want to get saved, you got to get on the same road that Paul was on when he got saved. And that's the road to Damascus. And a bright light shines. And its voice says, Saul, Saul. Very few times did God repeat someone's name. But if he does, it's a term of endearment. I love you. I'm reaching for you. Saul. Saul, why are you persecuting me? And trembling. Yeah, I guess he's trembling. Trembling, he says, who are you, Lord? Capital L-O-R-D. That is the Greek word kudios. And there's only one kudios. There's only one. There's not three of them. There's just one. Supreme. And he's trembling. Why is Saul trembling? He's trembling because he's religious. He's trembling because he's the man. He's trembling because he has a really good job. He works for headquarters. He gets paid to put charlatans who follow that liar, that lunatic... That self-deceived rabbi from Nazareth named Jesus in prison or worse. He's got it made in the shade. He's celebrated. He's the one that they laid their coats at his feet when they were stoning Stephen. So he's the man. Why is he trembling? He's trembling. Because when he says, who are you, Kudiaz? Who are you, almighty God? Who are you, Yahweh? Who are you, Jehovah? You see, he was strictly a monotheistic believer. He would never embrace that there is a plurality in the Godhead. He would never believe that there were persons with individual consciences and And personalities in the Godhead. He's trembling because he knows he's in trouble right now. And the thing that he feared is getting ready to break open on him. And the kudios, the one and only God says, I am Jesus. Boom. (laughs) It was game over and a game changer all at the same time. Oh, Saul, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And he's blinded. The letters that he had in his hand to take prisoners out of Damascus, they fall. They're somewhere on the side of the road. And they lead him blind and staggering into Damascus. And he houses at the street called Straight. And God sends Ananias and the rest is history. And the great perpetrator became the great preacher. Saul became the great apostle Paul. So again, revelation breaks in on the religious. Look at Acts 2.5. Right after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout Men, Acts 2, 5. They're dwelling at Jerusalem. Jews, devout men. Everybody say devout. Devout. That means religious. Even though they were from 17 different nations and people groups from around the world, they were religious. And they spoke the common language. Can you put that up there for me? Acts 2, 5. I'm sorry I didn't get it to you earlier. Uh, This is late breaking information. We're coming to you live from the live church. And these are devout men, just so you don't take my word for it, religious men. And the Holy Spirit has broken in. And Peter preaches, and these religious people say, we realize there's more. Men and brethren, what shall we do? That's Acts 2.37. And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and your children and to all who are far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And the Bible says and they that gladly received his word were baptized. Revelation broke in on religious. Look at Acts 6, 7. Just follow me here. Acts 6-7, the word of God increased, the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, look at this, and a great many of the priests. These are not just religious people, these are religious leaders. I'm praying this almost every day. Lord, let revelation break in on the priests. Let revelation break in on every denominational pastor that's hungry, that's open, that wants more, that's reaching. You see, our impulse is not to go back to the Reformation. Our impulse is to go back to the beginning. We go back to the beginning, the day of Pentecost. Amen. That's our impulse. That's the impulse of Pentecost. And these priests were obedient The apostle didn't say, well, you guys are fine, you know, in your little circle, your little oikos, you're good. You know, we're all going to the same place anyway. It's all, we're just going to sing around the campfire and hold hands and sing kumbaya and we'll all get to heaven. No, they preached the word to them and they obeyed the faith. Are you with me? Acts 8. The Samaritans, if you don't think they're religious, you never read John 4 and Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well. She starts talking, right? Jesus asked for water and she starts talking about worship. And she's debating him where the Jews worship, where the Samaritans worship. She was religious. And then later in Acts 8, Philip preaches Jesus and religious people are baptized. And then later in chapter 8, the Holy Spirit sends Philip out to the desert to talk to one man who's religious He's an Ethiopian and he went to Jerusalem to worship, but he was not allowed to worship because he had been emasculated. He was a eunuch and this deformity would not allow him access into the temple. And he's disappointed, but he's still studying Jesus. And Philip says, do you know what you're reading? He says, how can I Except somebody explain it to me? I'm religious. I love Jesus. I just don't know how to get to him. They wouldn't let me in church. Philip said, that's all right. We'll have church out here in the desert. And so he preaches Jesus right out of Isaiah and suddenly, mysteriously, they come up on a pool of water in the desert. Where did that come from? I'm asking you, I don't know. And he says, here's water. Don't tell me that baptism doesn't have anything to do with your salvation. Why does, if it's just for the public, Who's it for? The public roadrunners and rattlesnakes and cacti out in the desert? There's nobody there to watch him be baptized. It's for the remission of sins. Baptism is for the washing away of sins. Otherwise, what's the point of the baptism in the desert? Praise God. It's hard to stay humble when you got revelation. Yes, Lord. Stay humble. And he's baptized in the name of the Lord. And Philip is caught away. And then chapter 10, Cornelius, if you don't think he wasn't religious, he's devout. He fears God with all his house. He prays to God always. He's a generous giver to less fortunate people. He has all the marks of a good Christian man, but he's not saved. He's not saved. And so God sends a preacher. Peter, and while he's preaching, The Holy Spirit falls on religious people. And Peter commands them to be baptized. Just a couple more quick examples. Acts 17. Paul's at Mars Hill. And he says, I perceive that you people are too religious. And he preaches to them. He said, you have a statue even to the unknown God. That's the one I'm declaring to you. And some called him a babbler. Some mocked him. But I love what Acts seventeen thirty four says. If you can pull that out for me, Acts seventeen thirty four. Some men joined him and believed. Among them, look at this: Dionysius the Areopagite, a woman named Demarius, and others with him. That's Acts seventeen thirty four. And then Acts eighteen. The Bible says in verse twenty four, Acts 18, uh, 24. Now a certain Jew. Named Apollos, born at Alexandria. Notice his qualifications. He's not a heathen. He's an eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures. He comes to Ephesus. This man has been instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in the spirit. And he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. Well, let's just leave Apollos alone. He's fervent. He's mighty. He knows the Bible. We're all going to the same place. He's cool. Why do we need to waste time with him? Let's go find the indigent and the the depraved. No, no, no. Aquila and Priscilla. The Bible says in verse 26, when he spoke boldly in the synagogue, Aquila and Priscilla heard him. They took him aside, explained to him the way of God more accurately. And then, of course, Acts 19 Paul comes to the elders in Ephesus. They're religious. They're disciples of John. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? We haven't so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Under what then were you baptized? Under John's baptism. Paul said, John, verily baptized, with the baptism of repentance, saying that we should believe on him, we should come after him. That is on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they heard that, they were baptized and Paul laid his hands on them and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Folks, we have something to give. We should not be arrogant. We should not walk around with our theological noses stuck up in the air and say, well, look what the cat drug in. Wait till you hear what I've got to say to you. You don't know nothing if you don't know, you know what I believe. Listen, that is not going to reach people. But if we will be humble, but yet on location... If we will be watching for cue cards and pay attention to what God wants to do. I've got I've God's got my attention. I I had lunch with with a with a pastor in town just a few days ago. And uh uh he's hungry and he's asking me about the gifts of the spirit and the outpouring of the spirit and speaking with tongues and and I played golf with a man who's religious and he's asking me what about water baptism? I was baptized this way. What about this? I can't tell him anything but the truth. I can't just say, well, you're good, that's fine. I've got to tell him the whole counsel of God. Amen. I pray that God will break through walls, that God will break down doors, that God will break through tradition. And God is going to use the apostolic church to bring revelation and understanding to people that are hungry. If you believe it, would you stand with me? Here's what we've got working for us. Listen to this. John 16, 13. The spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. It's happening. When I was, is that Adrian? When I was Adrian's age, when I was Jack's age, my church was the only church in town that was clapping their hands. The only church. When I was their age, my home church, Midway Tabernacle, later known as Apostolic Bible Church, and my sisters here, we were, grew up with a lot of, I won't say any names or any labels, very dominant uh. Denomination in our community. Nobody was lifting their hands. Nobody. We were. Nobody was speaking in tongues in the 60s. We were. Nobody was saying amen to the preacher. But we were. Nobody was standing up during a worship service. Well, we didn't even do that back in those days. There's nothing really even necessarily biblical or apostolic about that. In fact, sometimes at age 66, it gets a little long for me. But nobody was dancing, but we were. Not very often, Pam, but once in a while. Holy Ghost would just fall. Now, what's happening in Christianity, everybody's clapping their hands. Most everybody. What's going on everywhere just turn on religious tv people are lifting their hands who was doing it when nobody was doing it we were doing it what's happening god is breaking in do you remember when our guide to israel some of you went on the trip to israel with us eras remember when he stood this pulpit and He walked into a red-hot worship service here at the Life Church, and he said, you people have captured the ancient spirit of my land. You Remember him saying that? Chills went up and down my spine when he said that. Here is an apostate Jew that recognizes that the spirit of Yahweh is in this house because we have embraced the Davidic worship pattern, dancing, lifting hands, worshiping God. How is revelation going to break in? I'll tell you how. It's going to break in when we love it and we don't compromise it. And we're faithful to it and we just keep doing our thing. And Jesus said in John 16, 13, he said, The spirit of truth will guide into all truth. And I'm declaring it right now that the spirit of truth, that the spirit of the first century church, the spirit of truth, the gospel they preached, the Jesus they worshipped, the message they believed, then it will break into Kansas City. I've always believed God's going to do something in this city. God's going to do something in this community. Pastor, He's going to use you. He's going to use you to do it, to spread truth and the gospel and the message. Come on, do you want to be a part of this breaking in of revelation? It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Come on. Somebody just pray right now. Say, God, let truth come. Let revelation come. Let understanding come. Lord, let the mighty God in Christ break in. Let water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. That's all right. Come on, let's come forward. Let's be conduits. Let's be conduits. Hallelujah. Lord, use us. Lord, use us to break in. Lord, use us to visit our city. Use us, Lord, to visit this nation. Lord, break in on the religious. Break in, Lord, on every church, north, south, east, west. My pastor friends that are in this area, I call their names, I pray for them. Holy Spirit, fall. Come on. Something unusual is happening. Something extraordinary is taking place among us. We're going to be a part of it. We're going to be in the middle of it. Oh, Lord, create forums. Create opportunities. Open doors. Lord, break in on every people group. Break in on the African-American churches. Break in on the Hispanic churches. Break in on the immigrant churches. Break in, oh God, on every denomination and pour out your Spirit, oh God, on all flesh. On all flesh, Jesus. Jesus, break in and reveal yourself as the mighty God. Let revelation come right now. Let revelation come right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, just go ahead and intercede right now. Lord, break in on immigrant churches, break in on immigrant churches, on Nigerians, break in on Rwandans, Lord, break in on South Sudanese, break in on Ugandans, oh God, break in, oh God. On Hispanics, oh God, break in, Lord, wherever people groups are gathered. Let there be another Pentecost. (laughs) In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I want us to stretch our hands to the north right now. Lord, we pray for every congregation that's north of us. Lord, let revelation come. Lord, let understanding come. Lord, let them obey the gospel. Break in, Lord, to the north. Break into the north. Now turn to the east. Turn to your right. Turn to the east, Lord, we're stretching our hand out toward the east. Lord, every church where there's a Bible on the pulpit, Lord send revelation, oh God. Impart the Holy Spirit. Let there be an outpouring of the Spirit, oh God. In the name of Jesus. Now, to your right, to the back of the church, this is south. Lord, we speak, we speak revelation to the south right now. In the name of Jesus, every congregation south of us, even on View High Drive. Lord, let there be an outpouring. Let there be a breaking in, oh God. (laughs) And now one more right turn to the west. Lord, we pray for every congregation to the west. And cross over, Lord, the state line into Kansas. Oh, Lord, break in, oh God, to Kansas. Break in, oh God. Break in with revelation. Oh God, break in. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now just lift your hands and celebrate truth. And celebrate Jesus.